Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone. Today's episode is going to be a short one. Uh, I am Spence Herdick here. I am without my partner in crime, Jamie Phillips. He's abandoned me. Uh, or he was away coaching all weekend and did not have a chance to join me this week. And so I'm here instead to provide you with a really quick uh, season preview, some goalies I really like, who I think is going to be the top three in the Vesna voting at the end of the year. So we're way too early prediction. And then some fun storylines that I think we are going to see this season. So this one shouldn't be too long, uh, but hopefully everyone enjoys it. So first and foremost, who do I think is going to be the top three goalies in the NHL this year? Who do I expect to see in the Vesna finalists at the end of the season? My picks, truthfully, are boring. I worked a lot harder than I was expecting to on who I thought was going to have a great year. So I was trying to take into account things like team quality, how good the story is going to be if they have a great run, all these things. But instead, just found myself sticking to who has been the most consistent year in and year out for a few years now, who has a very similar team structure in front of them this season, so are, are likely to succeed again. And then who do I think are basically just favorites of, of what the NHL writers vote for. And so my projected top three, and they're all incredible goalies this year, are UC Saros, Ilya Sorokin, and Connor Hellebuck. So I'm really just swapping out Saros for Allmark this year. And that's not because I think Allmark's not going to have a great season. I just think Boston's not going to be as good this year. And I think we are going to see a little bit of his numbers come back down a little bit. He's had a good career for the past few years. And so watching him succeed so well last year, truthfully, wasn't that surprising or shouldn't have been because he's demonstrated good success for a couple seasons. But I just don't see it as being as consistent as last season, just because the team is not quite as good as front of him. And there's going to be probably a broader scouting report on some of the stuff he does well and some of the stuff he doesn't. I do have one maybe kind of sleeper pick uh, that's going to, we'll see how it works out. <laughs> Excuse me. But I am interested to see how Philip Gustafson does this year in Minnesota. He ended the season last year on an incredible run, an absolutely trailblazing run. And this year started with a shutout only to then run into the steamroller that is the Toronto Leafs. So shout out to the Leafs fans out there on that one uh, who are off to a hot start. But I really like the way Gustafson plays. Uh, I think his style, so style being his positional awareness, his skating is, is truly incredible. 
Jamie and I both use Gus's and Clips for a good example of how you should transition from an overlap position to an RVH because the way he does it is just so above average. Uh, he's such a really strong skater, uh, especially as he moves from that short angle post position into the post. It's one of his best abilities. And so if you're looking or trying to model your game after a goalie who does that really well, Phyllis Gustafson is definitely a person who can do it. I compare Gustafson really similarly to Ilya Sorokin in the way that they play. They're both really strong skaters who don't use their skating uh, in, a, in a traditional sense. And what I mean by that, is they're not dynamically sliding around these big out-of-position saves. They are structured position first goaltenders, and so you don't get to really see that skating get show-offed unless you look really close for it. And I think uh, people listening to this are probably really big goaltending fans, and so you, if you watch, again, Sorokin, you watch Gustafson play, you see calm positional skating. Uh, and something that Jamie likes to say a lot, and I'll echo him here, is you don't have to use all your tools in your toolbox and you only need to use stuff when you need to use it, right? So even if they are these extremely dynamic and capable skaters, by taking good positional approaches and good lines to pucks, so getting from point A to point B, taking efficient lines means that they don't have to do all the dynamic sprawling stuff unnecessarily. So I think that's really valuable and I'm really excited to see Augustus sitting in this season, but I do think Sorokin has the edge when we think of very similar goaltendings in that capacity. So my picks are boring for the Vesna. Um, and truthfully, they it's just been the same goaltenders the past few years, year in and year out. And I hope to see that we see some some new goalies come up and then really take uh you know, take that that leap and be these ultra impressive dynamic goalies. But my predictions are are boring. Um, I'm going with consistency over anything else for this season. Moving on to goalies that I think people should watch this year. So goalies that you should expect uh or at least I expect to have really impactful seasons or maybe good starts or just something fun that I think is, is worth watching. These are the storylines of that. And so my three goalies to watch this year, and I'll go into each one of my, my three goalies that I want everyone to watch this year or I'm going to be watching this year are Devin Levi in Buffalo, Joseph Wall in Toronto, and Sam Montembeau in Montreal. And now, <laughs> probably not the goalies that people all expect to be on my list, but I'll kind of give you a reason for each one. And, and the first one with Devin Levi in Buffalo is that he is giving us a chance to see what it looks like for a young goalie to be able to step in and see how much uh, leash he gets or how he's able to adapt to the NHL. The last time we saw a young goalie really take that jump was when Carter Hart first jumped straight to the NHL. Uh, and truthfully, Philadelphia was not not the greatest place to be, at least for the past few years. And so I think Hart's inconsistencies have largely stemmed from all the change and what's been going on in Philadelphia. Now, with that being said, Buffalo is... Uh, a bit of a running gun team, so they give up lots of chances on their end. They get lots of chances on the other end, but that's going to be a, a tough transition for Levi as well. Is playing in a really fast-paced team that's going to give up a lot of chances. So if he's able to adapt to that environment, if he's able to step up, I think it's going to be really fun to watch. And I'm truthfully a little nervous. I'm a big believer that we don't give young goalies enough of a chance at the NHL level. It's something that I. Uh, truthfully just believe I think we should be giving younger goalies more chances to, to kind of get comfortable in that environment and have that learning experience uh, and be able to potentially succeed early. I don't think they need to develop until they're 25, 26 before getting into the NHL. So we'll, we'll ultimately see how that works out and Levi is going to be a really good example of that moving forward. Now my next story, and this is my probably my most annoying storyline, something that I've been talking about for a couple years now is I think that Joseph Wall is just an incredible goalie in Toronto. And I think the fact that he is in the NHL this year to start, 
is finally something that I've been waiting to see now for a little bit. Uh, I said this a few times in the season last year, but especially during the playoffs, I thought the biggest disservice to what happened to the Leafs last year is that they didn't get Joseph Wall 25 games in the NHL. I think last year he was ready. I think he was ready to make that jump, play that bigger role. And obviously having both Murray and Samsonov, um, it was a tough position for Leafs to be able to do that. But I think this year should be the year that we see 25 games for, for Joseph Wall. And I'm really excited for him. He stylistically is one of my favorite goalies to watch. Uh, positionally excellent. Similar to, again, Gustafson and Sorokin. And I, I kind of compare them him to those guys. And I'm hoping I'm right because it's a pretty big comparison to compare Joseph Wall to, to Ilya Sorokin. And I'm aware of that, but I'm, I'm happy to double down on that one. I think stylistically they play very similar. These positional goalies who take away first shots really well without being too aggressive out of their net. So something that you'll see among all three is that they're not very aggressive goalies. Uh, they don't leave in their crease too, too often, which will upset some people who think that we need to be really aggressive. But those guys do a nice job of, of playing within their crease and moving around really, really ultra efficiently. But the number one characteristic between all three of them, again, are they are these sneaky, incredible skaters. So Gustafson, Sorokin, Wall, much better skaters than it ever looks like they are. They're just so efficient that we don't see them having to use these cross-crease skating, these dynamic save. You don't need to make them. They're just making them a lot simpler. The one thing that I love a lot, I've talked about this on a different podcast. I talked about this in depth over at the Rink Rat Report. So shout out to those guys in that podcast. Uh, I, I talked about this. The thing that I love the most about Joseph Wall is his patience. His patience on the post. So he'll get into an RVH and he'll get back to his feet. He'll just regain his feet right away. And I know all the anti-RVH people out there are going to love that about him. So he's got great post work, but he's got something for everyone when it comes to how he plays that post work. The thing I love the most about him, again, is his patience off of screens, patience off of rebounds, is he's really, really, really great at finding a rebound and then making a decision where he needs to move or finding a loose puck and then moving. He's not rushing around. He's not losing his positioning. He's, he's making himself a position goalie first. And, and I like that a lot. And that's my bias on how I think the game should be played and where I think goalies are the most successful is when they're being patient and prioritizing positioning first, which doesn't sound like a hot take, but you can watch a lot of goalies who don't do that or maybe they're trying to do that but they're just not being successful at it and i think that should be our approach get be in a good position own your positioning and then go from there my goal the third goalie who i think is, is going to be worth watching and the story to keep our eyes on this year um is sam montembeau over in montreal and i understand people are often caught off guard by this one this is a take i've had for a few years uh same thing with the joseph ball situation i think santa mom i think sam montembeau is pretty good i think he has a lot of good qualities uh, as a goaltender uh, and, and not in the same way that I've talked about some of the other goalies I like. So Montembeau is a bit more of an aggressive goalie. He's a big saves a bit more dynamically. And what I mean by that is he is not always set making saves, um, which again, like I said, is, is more my priority. Now, and that's not to be confused with goalies who are backing up a little bit and not being quote unquote set with their feet not moving. But Montembeau is a bit more aggressive, which then forces him to have to play things a little more dynamically, right? He has a farther distance to go. He's more set to the shot. And it's just a different stylistic preference. But I think he's really good at it. I think he's really leaned into what makes him successful. And I think as Montreal should be a little bit better this year, we should see Sam Montembeau succeed more and more. Looking at um, some of his, again, he's only played one game this year and I think it's going to be his big challenge is going to be how is Montreal going to handle him and Jake Allen? Is it going to be pretty even split? We're going to see, you know, 55 third or 55 27 for Allen Montebo. If I'm Montreal, 
I think Montembeau deserves to take some of that loan. I think he showed that last year. But ultimately, Montreal needs to prioritize being a better defensive team. And I think once they do that, both Allen and Montembeau will succeed more too once stuff gets cleaned up in front of them. So those are my three goalies to watch. The three ones that I think uh, I'm looking forward to watching personally. Um, maybe not for everyone. Like I said, Levi, they're very different goalies. Levi, Wall, Montembeau do not do pretty much anything um, that similarly. So very different styles. And so if you're looking for a more consistent goaltender style to watch, Again, my big three that I think we can learn a lot from are Sorokin, Gustafson, and Wall. I know that sometimes people put the Sorokin and Hellebuck in the same category. I think they're actually stylistically very different. They just both happen to be big and positional, but that does not mean they play the same way at all. So that's my take on, on styles of goaltending. That's my take on who I'm excited to watch this year. But there's also a couple storylines that I'm interested in, in watching play out. And the first one is just what's going to happen in Vegas. So former Stanley Cup champions, they signed Aiden Hill to a $4.9 million per year deal. And they have Logan Thompson back, who was injured towards the end of the season. And they're also off to a 3-0 start at the time of this recording, where they have given up one goal per game. My big storyline here is, truthfully, just how easy is it going to be to be a Vegas Golden Knight goalie this year? And what I mean by that is Vegas likes to not give up scary chances. They do not like to give up high-danger chances. They are a defense-first team, and are they incredible at it? Yes, they, they really are. So is, or are Aiden Hill and is, is Logan Thompson going to have an, an easier time this year than most goalies? And I think the answer is probably. So through the three games, according to naturalstatric.com, uh, the three goalies have only had 20 high danger score chances against them between the three goalies. Thompson only had five in his game on 23 shots. It's a pretty easy game, all things considered. But if we look at someone again, like uh, like Jake Allen, he had 10 high danger chances in his first game, according to the same website. So twice as many as Thompson had, and Montembeau had 13, right? So... Allen and Montembeau have 23 in two games. Vegas has 20. Or sorry, yeah, no, Vegas has eight. Uh, yeah, 20 in two games. It's it's just that kind of defensive structure that makes the storyline interesting. Whereas, could you put another goalie in Vegas and see them succeed? And a lot of people think yes. But I also think that the way Thompson plays and the way that uh, Aiden Hill plays, again, complements the style that Vegas is trying to play. Aiden Hill is a big goalie um, who's going to make that first save a lot of the time. He's not always in position after that first save, but he, you know exactly what you're going to get out of that first save, and he's pretty darn good at it. And then when you look at Vegas's defensive structure, they're quick to collapse to the house, collapse to that net, and take away those loose pucks and those second chances. And that's what's going to let Thompson and, and Hill succeed. And so I think it's going to be a really interesting to see if teams figure out how to work around that against Vegas, because they are a hard team to play against, and they are definitely poised to have another good season in Vegas. Second storyline that I'm kind of interested in, and this is uh, personal a lot to some of the research that I'm fortunate to get be able to do on training load and workload. I'm really interested to see how many games UC Saros is, is going to play. Um, I think last season we saw Saros, again, just run away with a ton of games. So he played 64 games last year. He played 67 the year before. And those are pretty high for for modern NHL numbers, right? So a 64-game season means that he's only not playing in 18. 67-game season means he's only not playing in 15. That is a crazy amount of games played, especially in, in modern times. Obviously, we go back, you know, 15, 20 years, goalies are playing 75 games. 
that's not going to happen anymore. But getting back into the mid-60s, that is still a lot of games on a goalie. It's a long season, and especially when we saw how busy Soros was last year with that Nashville team in front of him, I'm going to be really interested to see what takes place in Nashville. Can Nashville be successful with Soros playing less? The, the biggest challenge is just that Nashville struggled, again, admittedly struggled last year, and then Soros was a big reason that they were successful in any capacity. He truthfully had an incredible year. I do think he was snubbed in the Vesna voting a little bit, but that's the way it goes. So it's going to see, are they going to go back to 65 games for Soros this year? And what is that going to look like? If they get to the playoffs and he's played 65, does he still have the legs for it? Does he still, did he get through the season with that many games without tweaking a groin or a hamstring or a knee of any kind? And that's just what's going to happen. When we talk about training load and workload and all that stuff, the, the biggest risk isn't that so much that it's a cumulative load, right? It's not so much the risk that you are playing those games. It's just that the more you play, the more you're doing things, the, the you just have a greater chance of, of something happening, a weird fluke injury happening. And what we know, what I've looked at, what I've looked at from the NHL injury data over the past few years is there are just a lot of fluky injuries. Uh, there's not so much those over, you know, overburning. I'm doing too much injuries. We get these weird one-offs that seem to, to spur in the NHL. And so that's what I'd be worried about if I was Nashville. And that can happen just the more games you play, you open the door to more of those risks happening. So will Saros play over under 65 games? Who knows? Two more storylines that I'm really interested in. This one's going to be really quick. Uh, my first one is the Thatcher Demko comeback season. I'm a big Thatcher Demko fan. I've followed him since he played at Boston College. Uh, he's pretty close in my age. I believe he's a 95. So he's just a year younger than me. So we kind of were playing, albeit at different levels at the same time and through college. And so I've been a big Demko fan. I love the way he plays for a lot of different reasons than than other goalies. Again, kind of like I mentioned with Sam Montembeau, uh, Demko is a bit more of an aggressive goalie, a bit more of a sprawlier goalie and, and dynamic in that way. And that's not a bad thing. It's just different. And it just means that different goals are going to go in. And so I think he's a fun goalie to watch. And I think if we go back to the 2020 season, I think people forget a lot about just how good he was in the 2020 season. Uh, if you haven't, go back and check his statistics. And if you're a stats nerd like me, go check out his advanced analytics from that 2020 season. Madness. He was getting like 15 high danger chances against a game. That's probably an exaggeration. He was getting a lot. He was busy. And he was, again, uh, I just had a really good season. I'm hoping he can get back to 2020 levels. Dealing with injuries and dealing with all the changes that's happened in Vancouver in the past few years is tough. And so my fingers are crossed for Demko. I think he's a fun goalie to watch. And I hope for the best from this year. My last storyline, and this one um, is, I think, in a weird way, really important to me. I am on the Elvis Merzlinkis comeback tour. So the second comeback goalie that I'm mentioning here, I'm expecting or hoping to see really great things uh, in Columbus out of Elvis Merzlinkis. If anyone he was kind of following what happened, not this past summer, but two summers ago, I'm not going to go into the details here, but it's a really intense and impactful story of what took place in, in Columbus and their organization. And I think last year, between not having the greatest start and then getting hurt, we did not get to see the best of Elvis Merlinkins. And I think the Latvian goaltending story and the way that that program is evolving and emerging, I think is so cool. I'm so excited to see where it goes and more and more incredible Latvian goalies are coming out of there. I'm a big, big Merlinkins fan. I've said that now about a few goalies, but he is the definition of a fun goalie to watch uh, in it's very different than why I like watching goalies like Sorokin and Gustafson and Wall, who are goalies that I would I would tell people 
that they should learn the most from. That's the, those are the type of goalies that you need to watch and understand what makes them successful because those are the things that are transferable and those are the things that will help improve your game. Someone like Merslingus is this super athletic. Uh, he's not ultra positional. He relies on his speed and his, his skating abilities and his athleticism a lot more than some of the other goalies I've mentioned today. But he's fun. It's it's the analogy is like he's the Buffalo Sabres of goaltending where it is high energy all the time. There's a lot of good. There's a lot of bad. And there's everything in between. But it's fun. And as much as I love watching good positional goalies, that is my favorite thing to watch. Uh, it's nice to have a break sometimes to just watch some goalies play a game that's a little bit more athletic. And I think that's why people are drawn to UC Saros, along with the fact that he's a smaller goalie and people really resonate with that and relate to that. I think if you are a Saros fan, you should watch Merz Lickens. Go watch some Columbus. It's not going to be the prettiest hockey, but you're going to see some really, really, really fast-paced, dynamic skating. And I know I'm saying that word a lot, and it's kind of hard to describe, but Merzlikens does everything at 100 miles per hour. He's flying around. It does not look calm and peaceful, but it's fun. And I think that's a nice break sometimes from just watching really good positional goalies, which is important to watch and important to try to play like. But admittedly, it's less flashy, and it's not quite as a big of a performance sometimes. And so... I hope all the best. He left this last game due to illness. It said, I hope it's not an actually injury. I hope it's nothing else. Cause I'm really hoping that again, him alongside Demko, I hope those two guys have really great comeback seasons because they're both fun goalies. They're both high energy goalies. And I think we need that, that difference in the NHL. And I think today's kind of short, brief discussion or talk really highlights that. I think there's a lot of good goalies in the NHL who play really differently. And I think that's a good thing. I think we have this misconception that all goaltenders are robots and they do the same things. And that conversation happens a lot because of things like the RVH. But what I actually find is that there's a huge discrepancy in the NHL on, on goaltending styles and playing styles of what will do well and what people don't. And so I don't think the game is nearly as robotic as we think it is. I think we have goalies who are excelling in different ways. We just see that being a good or a bad thing a lot of the time based on the team in front of them and, and if their style can succeed at the team in front of them. So I think we're going to start to see more and more teams figuring that out, what style works for them, what style should they try to get with their team. We've talked about that before. But I think this really highlights that there's a lot of different goals in the NHL who are successful, who do things differently. And so that's all I have for everyone today. It's a really, really quick one. Again, it's it's we don't have all the fun story time without Jamie here, but he will be back next week, I'm sure, and we'll be able to get some of his hot takes from the past couple of weeks that he's been keeping to himself. But before I let everyone go, I just want to say interested in more again goalie educational content i cannot recommend jamie phillips's instagram youtube and of course his patreon uh, any more than i can right now i think he does some amazing content and it's really great value out of the stuff that jamie does and i'm not just saying that because i'm his friend and i get to do this show with him i'm saying this because i do believe that he's one of the best teachers out there in social media and one of the best resources that you can turn to so do him a favor by subscribing to that Patreon account, but but do yourself a favor and at least go check out his YouTube and his Instagram page if you aren't already, because there's a lot of great content that you can learn from there. And if people wrote down all my incredibly hot takes for this season, keep me in line. Let's see where, where my predictions are by the holidays, by December. Uh, we'll see if I'm on the right track or if I've completely missed the mark with my predictions for this year and for my storylines that I'm curious about. But I think they're. I think. I think. I believe myself in this one, and I hope that. Uh, I hope that in six months I'll be saying the same thing, or I'm entirely wrong, and I can look back at this, and maybe I'll even learn where I'm missing the mark, what I'm missing the mark on, and and how I can improve how I'm looking at the game myself. 
As always, thank you everyone for listening. We appreciate everyone who subscribes and shares the podcast and who engages with our content. We appreciate everyone and all of you. And as always, we'll see you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.